This is the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. We are pleased to have you join us as we offer up God's Word as the necessary food for His people. The Word of God finds its fullest expression in the person of Jesus Christ. May He be exalted before you today. Now here is our speaker, Joel Van Hoogen. We're in our last broadcast in a series of messages on praying for missions work and taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Our final point of prayer is from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-4. through 4. It's to pray for peace in society. We as Christians should always be making room in our conversations for peace because the greatest issue on the table is not the latest point of political debate. The greatest issue is the eternal destinies of people. And the topic that they need to hear is the gospel from our lips to their lives. And this is made known best in times of peace. So pray for it. We ought to pray for peace and for a calmness within our society in order that we might not dissipate our energies on something other than this central issue. Now, we've just come through a really contentious political season, and there was a lot at stake, and there's a reason to be concerned. It, it was the cause of a lot of urgent praying, but let me suggest to you that it wasn't the best time to share the gospel with a lot of people. Right? It's kind of contentious, and we don't want that. Our actual reaction to any situation should be, Lord, help me to be the conciliatory one. Help me to be the one that is willing to appease the agitation of men. We are to be peacemakers. Why? Well, ultimately, no God is sovereign over all things and controlling of all things. And it's because we want peace. We want an environment in which we can not waste our energies on anything but what should be our central purpose. On anything but what is God's central desire. We don't want to be distracted or dissipated from the purpose of giving to men the clear message and the simple message of the saving power of Jesus Christ. That's what we want. So, we pray for God to work in such a way in people's lives and in our society and in our communities so that we don't misspend our energies on things that are not central to our calling. We actually pray for peace. This is the third thing. We pray for peace with our neighbors. We pray for peace with our leaders. We pray for those things that will make for quietness in our community, in our nation, and among the nations. And the substance of these prayers on the behalf of all people and of all leaders are for those needs that are both special and urgent and that rise in times of great concern, but then also for those kinds of needs that are just constant and normal and the regular needs. And we pray that in all these things, God would provide out of His own goodness to them so that we could live a peaceful life before them. So actually, it's kind of like this. If they're not stressing, I'm not stressing. If they're not in turmoil, then it creates the environment which I'm able to be at peace with them, to be a witness to them. Right now in Aleppo, in Syria, Christians are praying, and we should be praying, for a ceasefire between the Syrian government and the rebel armies. I don't think at this point in time they're concerned about which army will win. They just want their building to stop being blown apart. Right? In the States, we're to be praying for a smooth transition of presidential administrations. For my neighborhood, I'm praying that one of my neighbors will sell his house, and I'm also praying that the people who buy it, the new neighbors, will be a positive part of our neighborhood. It will all get along. 
Actually, there's nothing wrong with praying for peace in our times. It's not necessarily selfish to pray for an orderly world that is progressing in its commercial and economic activities and providing step-by-step for the well-being of its citizens. There are all kinds of books that are out that are being written right now and blogs that are being written that criticize individuals who pray for blessing in their lives and upon their land as if the desire to live at peace and with a certain kind of comfort and assurance is that peace affords is selfish. Well, it, it can be, but it doesn't have to be, right? It's all right to actually pray, God, grant us with provisions and plenty and blessing and help us. Can't we all get along? It's actually not such a bad prayer. Pray for peace. Pray for economic stability. Pray for social order. Pray for a secure border. Pray for open exchanges of friendship between all people of all opinions. Pray for it. Seek it. Romans 12, 18 says, If at all possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all people, with all men. Now, there's some good news here. It says, as far as it depends upon you. Sometimes after you've done all you can, you can't make peace and you don't have to feel guilty about that. Apparently, it's not always possible to be at peace with individuals. But the spirit and prayer of the Christian is one that is, as I've said already, always most conciliatory. We are the ones who are the ones who desire peace with people. And the reason is this. This will strike you strangely. But the reason is, the reason we want to be at peace with everyone, and the reason we want people's lives to be settled from distress and concern is because we want to live quiet lives, and we want to live in quiet communities, and we want to live in quiet nations. We want that as much as possible. We want to realize it as much as possible, regardless of how fallen our world is. We don't pray when we see people squaring off with one another, Lord, send us civil war. Turn brother against brother. You've prophesied it. Let it happen now. No, we don't. God, you're in control of all those things. You're handling all those things, but we want peace. We pray for peace. And as we pray for peace, we're not to concern ourselves with specific political agendas. We're not here commanded to pray for and concentrate our concerns on specific matters of governance. In fact, that's quite the opposite. This is the thing we're to avoid. We're to pray for such peace and such a lack of stress that we might not concern ourselves about those things, but we might be able to give ourselves to the concern of the gospel itself. Just so you understand this, the person that Paul has in mind when he says pray for kings, pray for leaders, is Nero. He was a wicked and perverse man, but Paul here is not taking up a political position. He's just praying, God, limit the stresses in his life. Bring peace to the daily rhythms of his life. Meet the needs of his life. Create the environment, oh God, in which your gospel can go ahead through the quiet witness of others. Pray for peace and quietness. And here's the last point. Praying for peace and quietness is not so that you might have a self-absorbed, undisturbed rest and personal comfort. It's not so that your life can be easy and unthreatened. No, it's so that the gospel can advance with such a rapidity that God will jerk you out of your comforts. And God will thrust you into an optimum setting for taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to as many as possible. It means peace is not given to us so that we may retreat into our own pleasures, but so that we can advance into our world with the good news of Jesus Christ. It's so that those that we 
talk to may not be distracted by those other matters and these other concerns so they're not getting their lives absorbed into all the contentions of the ages which are going to pass away and they're but vapors and as a result they don't address the eternal issues or not willing to address with us the deep eternal matters of their life because they're overwhelmed with a bunch of temporary concerns. Again, this kind of tells me something. It tells me that though God uses crises to call people, and He does, God works in wars and battles and challenges and difficulties in order to draw men to Himself. It tells me that the most positive environment for sharing the gospel is not a bunker. The most positive environment for sharing the gospel is over a cup of coffee. Just sitting down with somebody. That the Spirit of God doesn't need turmoil to bring people to Himself. I know that's what one person has said, one political party seems to be voted to. <laughs> Never waste a crisis, right? But that's not how God works. That's not how Holy Spirit works. He can work in the quiet life where a serious dialogue is established through His ambassadors with those who are in need of hearing the gospel. And those, in a sense, undistressed settings, he can speak. Yes, at times God works to bring distress in people's lives because they won't listen any other way. But usually, that's not the way. The usual manner of the Holy Spirit is a still, small voice behind you saying, this is the way. It's bringing people in that manner. So we pray for it. This unharassed life that we're praying for, for quietness or peace, is so that in that setting... What might rise before the people we are living before is expressions of our quiet reverence and our Christ-like holiness before them. So they can see, they're not running about, but they can pause and see what God has done in our lives. Lord, give the setting in which we might give expression to not some lazy, luxuriating Christianity, but a vibrant Christianity that clothes itself in humility and the modesty of holiness, in the subtle expressions of a deep and profound worship that is filling our lives in such a way that you by your Spirit will use it to press your concern upon the hearts of the men and women that we live before. God, take away the stresses of their life. Work in their life for the sake of the gospel. In the end, and I'll just say this in conclusion, we know in times of peace or in times of turmoil that God is always in control. He turns the hearts and leaders of the earth in His hand wherever He wants. That's what Proverbs chapter 21 verse 1 tells us. In any situation, we as Christians can live with a heart of rest because we know that God is in control. We don't have to be consumed by the matters of this age and the concerns of this world age because we know that God is in control and God has a plan. But you realize that not only is this kind of a world age, but that God has instituted a divine economy for us. A divine age as well. And do you know what this is? This is the age of the church. This is the age of the gospel through the church to all nations. This is the age in which that gospel is to preach to all people and all tongues and all tribes and all nations and then the end will come and Christ will return. That agenda should be what consumes us. 
And we should pray for the environment that would best enable us to focus ourselves upon that goal alone so that we might reach as many as possible with this message. So now we're back to where we began when we started this series. Like Abraham, you have come under the covenant promises. You've been forgiven and cleansed. You've believed and by faith you've been justified. You've been transformed so that you've received a new name. God has come to fellowship with you. God has communicated to you a vision of his purposes and plans and he's informed you on his will and purposes for the ages to come and even the age in which you live in. And now you're left standing before God. You're with Him. You're standing before Him. What are you going to do? How are you going to use that position? Let's pray. Let's pray. We bow our heads before You, Lord. We want to occupy this place to live by faith. We remind ourselves and all this as well that You called for us to pray persistently and to pray always to let our prayers go out there. And Lord, we are not all-knowing. We draw together the sequence of events and we anticipate outcomes that might not be what we think they'll be. So you find ourselves before you, God, interceding and pleading because we see certain things taking place and we think they'll totally undermine anything that would bring glory and honor to you or a witness of your name. Lord, keep stoking that kind of prayer in our lives. Just keep stoking it. Keep us praying and let our prayers be whatever they are and messy as they are because of our... You've been listening to the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, God bless you.